Thank you, worship team. And thank you again for being here with us this morning as we worship, as we dive into God's word, and we see what it has for us today. 2022. What if I told you that in the year 6023, an asteroid is going to collide with our planet and wipe out every single living thing? Would you believe me? What would you do? How would you prepare? What would you change in your daily routine? Hmm. What if I told you that this afternoon we were going to be hit by an epic winter storm causing oceanic water spouts, which could lift giant sharks out of the water, come landing on your doorstep? What would you do? What do you think about that? What if I told you, what if I told you that you were going to get a coupon in the mail tomorrow for 15% off a Frosty at Wendy's? What about that, huh? Are you excited? Come on, let's go. You know, if you're like me, you're probably not going to get very excited about any of those things because the reality is, is (laughs) none of them really matter. I mean, the asteroid, it will have a high impact, but the proximity of that event, it's way out there. It's way out there. Yes, the world may end. Everything will be wiped out, but that's not for several thousand years after you're gone. The sharks, that may... <laughs> that may have somewhat of a high impact, although I'm not sure how dangerous one of those things is going to be, a flipping and flopping at your front door. But the probability of something like that happening, well, it's just, it's just so low. I mean, you're not going to lose any sleep worrying about that, right? I hope not. Please don't. The Wendy's coupon, well, haha, that might actually happen. In fact, If it does happen, give me a call. Let me know because I might have some kind of superpower that I don't even know about. Might actually happen. But the impact is so low that it's not really anything to get excited about. I mean, Frosties are good, but come on. We have people all the time telling us that there are things coming that we should be getting excited about. Mark your calendars, right? Sometimes you get a little card in the mail. This is save the date. Start saving your Benjamins now. Why? Because there's, a, there's something coming. There's, there's a new car. There's a, a new movie. There's, for us younger people, there's a new video game. There's a, a new restaurant. There's a new, tra- a tr- a new attraction. There's, there's something big in your family that's coming up soon. Something's coming soon. All of us, though, at, at one time or another, we've, we've, looked, we've looked forward to these things. We look forward to them, and I think that all of us have had that experience of, of getting excited and then being let down. The hype just wasn't what it was hyped up to be. It, it, some of us have, have become a little jaded. <laughs> we've, we've been there. We've done that. We know that most hype is 
really just hype. And so we allow ourselves to become a little calloused and our senses to be a little dulled. And we just don't get excited the way that we did once upon a time. But here at Bethany, we believe that there is something coming that is worth getting excited about. We believe that there is an event on the horizon that puts all other events to shame. That there is coming something that will change everything for all time. That will have an impact like nothing else the world has ever before known. We believe in the personal, bodily, and glorious return of our Lord Jesus Christ. They were all just standing there. Awestruck. Jaws slack, motionless, speechless, breathless. What just happened? Did, did you see that? What, what just happened? He was here, and then he was gone. He said, he said, he said, you remember, he said, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my, my witnesses in, in Jerusalem and, and all Judea and Samaria and to, to the, the utter ends of the earth. And then, without warning, he, he just sort of started floating and, and, he, and he got farther and farther away and then, and then this cloud just swallowed him up and he was gone. That's the last we saw of him. What happened? You know, that's the second time we lost him. It's the second time. The first time we thought it was all over when they, they rolled that big rock in front of the place where they buried him. But this time, this time was different. Acts 1.10 says, And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. What do you say to that? Wow. Christ is no longer physically here. For almost 2,000 years, he has not set foot on this soil. But where he is, is no mystery. Colossians 3 makes that very, very clear. He is seated at the right hand of God. That's where he is. But he's not going to stay there. Some of us look around at the things that are happening in our world and we see the confusion, we see the, the fear, we see the injustices, we see the cruelty, the turmoil that takes place even within our own home. Some of us saw it even in the past couple weeks as we gathered together with family members. There's tension, there's turmoil there. And sometimes we feel alone, don't we? Like we've been hung out to dry. Like we've been recruited into the army and we've been brought out to the front lines of the fight only to have been abandoned by our commanding officer and then to be picked off one by one by one by the enemy. But no, we have not been abandoned. We have not been left for dead. 
our king, has been raised in glory, but he's going to return to take us with him. In John 14, Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Jesus is going to return. Are you excited? <laughs> you should be. His return is going to be personal. It's not some mysterious force that just come, comes and somehow hovers down and settles upon us. His return is personable. He comes in the same body that he left in, in the same way, Acts 1 tells us. And his return is going to be glorious. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. In Matthew 24, Jesus said, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the sign, they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. This is going to be awesome. If ever there was anything that was labeled awesome, this should be labeled awesome awesome. This puts all other awesome things to shame, and we realize those weren't really awesome to begin with. We're told that he's coming glory, but not only will he receive glory, it says we are going to share in that glory. Jesus continued in Matthew 24. He will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. 1 Thessalonians 4 continues, Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so will we always be with the Lord. My friends, this is what we're waiting for. Are you waiting for something? Something happening in 2022? This is what we should be waiting for. This is what we are destined for. This is real, and it is coming. Are you excited? Are you waiting for it? Or maybe more importantly, are you ready for it? You know, I've got to admit that, that so very often I find myself living without that hope in the forefront of my mind. It's, it's just not there. I get caught up in the needs of, of the day. I get consumed with the troubles, with the worries of life, uh, lose sight of the reality that, that since I've placed my trust in Jesus, this is not my, where my life is anymore. This is not my home anymore. I may still be here, but I don't belong here. I've got my name engraved above the front door of a house somewhere else that puts all those other magnificent houses that are posted up on Zillow, it puts all of those to shame. 
But you know, it's not just the troubles of this life that distract me. It's, it's the good things of this life that distract me. One theologian writes this, the more Christians are caught up in caught up enjoying the good things of this life, and the more they neglect genuine Christian fellowship and their personal relationship with Christ, the less they long for his return. It's so easy to get caught up in the, in the good life now, or, or at least what we can grasp of the good life now. So easy, isn't it? It's so easy to get caught up in, in that, that rat race, that, that focus on the, on the next big thing, the next big win, the next big event. It's so easy to make our big plans, look forward to that big vacation, or spend all our, our time anticipating that big day when we will have finally made it. Some of you younger people are finally graduated. Put all the stuff behind me, all the grades, all the papers, all the tests behind me. Finally made it. Some of us finally married. Oh, my goodness. I never thought it would happen, if you're like me. And then you go, wow, it happened. Finally get that job. Finally get that family, that house, that car, the retirement. But that's not the life that Christ saved us for, is it? As good as this life might be, this isn't it. Colossians 3.1 If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life. I love that line. When Christ who is your life. Where is my life? It's Christ. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The question must be asked, where are our minds set as we take our, our first steps into this new year? What is the prize on which we have set our sights? Have we become so fixed on, on some dream of an earthly paradise? Are we, are we mourning the loss of an earthly paradise? <laughs> it was here once. It, we saw it manifesting, and it was forming, and we see remnants of it on some of the old TV shows. We see, that, But it's just, it's just vaporized. It's going away, and we can't, we're grasping for it. We can't get it back. Hoping, dreaming, fighting to regain it. Are you hoping to build a kingdom for yourself? Maybe to hold on to one that you've already built. You've got a pretty good thing going here. I've amassed some things that I'd... I set my mind to it. I worked really hard, and now I've got these things. I've got to keep them. Are we seeking to arrange things? So everything will be just so, just to our liking, where we can finally just sit back and go, ah, oh, yes, now this is living. Are we, are we grabbing at straws? Are we trying to discover a, a realer, a better, a more authentic me. Who, who am I? I want to be true to myself. I want, I want to find 
an identity, an authentic me that will finally leave me feeling normal or satisfied or at peace. This isn't it. This isn't it. When you place your trust in Jesus Christ, you lay your life at his feet and you say, Jesus, this is what I got and it ain't good. I've wandered. I've pursued, I've trusted in things that were not of you. I was dead. I was cut off from you, cut off from true life. And I lay this dead, decrepit life at your feet, confessing my failure, confessing my sin. And that's when Christ lifts your head and turns your eyes upward and breathes life into your soul. His life is now your own. His home is now your home. That's where your sights, our sights, need to be set. As good or as bad as things get, this is where our hope is found. And you hold tightly to that promise of Colossians 3, 4 that says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Jesus is coming back. A couple important things to take note of. The timing, the timing of Christ's return is known only to God. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 44, the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. 2 Peter 3, 10 says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Matthew 25, 13 says, not, not what, it says, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And so when you hear people make predictions about when Jesus is coming back, it's going to be on this day, or that day, or this year, or that year. Don't believe him. He's coming when he's coming. And that's it. That's what we know. Yes, there are signs. Jesus gave us some signs that tell us, keep your eyes open and be ready. Signs that, that would remind us that the time of his return is near. But no one knows the day. No one knows the hour. What are some of those signs? So one of those signs is that the gospel will be preached to all nations. Mark 13, 10 says the gospel must be first proclaimed to all nations. Matthew 24, 14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. The return of our Lord, it is directly connected. It is tied to the mission that he gave his people, the mission to, to make Go into the world and make disciples. Do we take that calling seriously? The gospel must be preached to all nations. Secondly, there's a great tribulation is coming. Mark 13, 19. We went through this in our study of Mark just recently. It says this, For in those days there will be such tribulations as not been from the beginning of creation that God created until now and never will be. 
And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. Are we ready for things to get harder? There will be, there will be false prophets. There will be people working miraculous signs and wonders Mark 13, 22, false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, and if possible, the elect. Are we on our guard? Are we daily in God's words so that we won't be led astray by these miracle workers that show up on the scene? There will be great wars. There will be great earthquakes, great famines, great signs in the skies, Mark 13, 24. In those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will be falling from heaven, the powers in the heaven, that refers to the planets, in the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. There's going to be the arrival of someone called the man of sin or the man of rebellion. 2 Thessalonians 2 tells us about that. Is it possible that all of these signs, all of these things that Jesus spoke about, is it possible that these things have already taken place? Or maybe they're about to take place. Maybe they'll start taking place this next year. I think so. I think it's possible. I think it's very possible. And that is why Christians should live in light of the fact that Christ may return at any moment. Jesus said, stay awake. You do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake. And would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you must, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? Whom his master has set over the household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is the servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. What will you be doing when Christ returns? Has he called you to something? Has he entrusted you with a mission? A sacred task? Will you be ready? We believe that the fact of Christ's return, that it may happen at any moment, that should motivate us to live in a way that is honoring to him. The master of the house may not be here at this moment. His presence, of course, is everywhere, and yet we don't see him. Where is he? But are we about his business that he left us with? We're not to go around grasping it and everything, trying to put our money here and our money here so that we can gain and attain everything that we can for ourselves. Instead, we're supposed to be giving of ourselves sacrificing ourselves, just like he sacrificed for us and serving for the sake of others. We're supposed to be using every ounce of energy that we have to be about the mission he called us to. What was that mission? Making disciples. Because when it comes down to it, the moment Christ returns, 
Well, that's the moment when it's going to be too late, isn't it? Too late to turn. Too late to believe. Now is the time to share our hope, isn't isn't it? Now is the time to seek first the kingdom. Now is the time to leave the boats, to leave the nets behind, and live with wild abandon. We believe God commands everyone, everywhere, to believe, to believe the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. People need Jesus. Jesus said in Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Paul and Silas said it in Acts 16. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That's the call that goes out, right? 1 John 3.23 says, this is the commandment. This is, a, this is the commandment. God is telling you, do this, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. The call is clear. It has gone out. Everyone, everywhere, must turn to Jesus Christ and believe in him for salvation. The response that they make to that will have eternal consequences. You know, contrary to what some people believe, death is not the end. We believe that God will raise the dead and he will judge the world. Jesus said in John 5, 28, he said, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. The writer of Hebrews makes it clear that death comes first and then comes the judgment. Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed for man once to die and after that comes judgment. And what is that judgment? What's what's, what's this judgment thing about? We're all familiar with court cases. Perry Mason, right? Everyone still watches Perry, right? Am I the only one? No, I don't watch Perry very, very often. The judgment is not to uh, decide who measures up and who doesn't measure up. It's not for a jury to look at all of the evidence and then come up with the verdict. That time has already passed. The determination as to whether someone goes up or down, well, well that took place when, when, when that person decided whether or not they were to place their trust in Jesus Christ. When they decided to either obey or disregard God's call, his command to believe in Jesus. No, at this judgment, this judgment is simply the point at which assignments are made. God's word teaches unbelievers will be assigned condemnation, and eternal conscious punishment. And the believers will be assigned to eternal blessedness with joy, joy in the Lord, in the new heaven, in the new earth. Jesus spelled that out pretty clearly in Matthew 25. He said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. He will separate people one from another. We don't like that. Separation, discrimination. When God does it, it's okay. 
who separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. And Jesus goes on to describe that great separation and that whole process that will occur. And some will be gathered together and brought into the family of God, officially His people. Everyone can see it. No one can deny it. And others will not. And when all is said and done, Jesus makes their eternal destinations known and says, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. There are a lot of reasons that people don't want to talk about this. Or they, or they just don't want to take it seriously. For some, it's just too far off. It's like that asteroid. How many thousand years? I'm, I'm gone. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect my kids. It's just too far off. And they think that they have their whole lives ahead of them to think about this. Plenty of time, plenty of opportunity to research and discuss and come to a conclusion here. It's just too far off. Proximity. For others, it's just, just unlikely. The probability? Shark landing on my doorstep? <laughs> really? Really? The world that I believe in is the world that I can see. I can see it, I can touch it, I can smell it, I can taste it. That's what I believe in. This is all this God stuff, this heaven and hell stuff. What's the, what's the probability here? Should I believe this? Should I waste my time being concerned about this at all? Still others think that, you know, even if it is true, the impact, what's the impact? Is it going to be really worth concerning myself about? I mean, if there is a God, surely he's going to cut me a break. He knows who I am. He sees that compared to everyone else, I'm not that bad a person. <laughs> the ones he's going to come after, the ones who really need to worry, they're the, they're the Hitlers, they're the murderers, they're the rapists, they're the supervillains, they're the zombies. That's who he's really going to come down on. <laughs> it's those people, the bad ones, baddies. You know, there's some debate as to what's going to take place when it comes to end times. What's going to take place and when is it going to take place and the order of, of all of these different things. But what the Bible makes very, very clear is that Jesus is coming back. And when he does, it's going to be really, really good news for some and really bad news for others. What will it be for you? If you have not yet answered that call and placed your trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You know the time to do it is not next year. It's not next month. It's not tomorrow. It's right now. It's right now. Because we do not know the day or the hour or the moment. The time is right now. And if you have not yet placed your trust in Jesus Christ, let me encourage you right now in the quiet of your hearts to simply acknowledge who God is, who you are, and say, Lord Jesus, I, 
I am a sinner. I am guilty of rebellion. I am guilty of ignoring you. I am guilty of turning and going my own way and walking away from you. Lord God, thank you for sending Jesus to take the punishment of my sin upon himself and pay for it there on the cross that I might be forgiven and washed clean and made his own. Thank you. Would you do that now? question for those of us who have already placed our trust in Christ is, are we ready? Are we ready? Are we excited? Are we ready? Are we living our lives in light of our new identity in Christ? Are we living each day in constant expectation? He could return at any moment. We would wake up in the morning and we go, today, could today be the day? Maybe it's today. What should I do today? Are we living for His glory, giving ourselves in His service, energetically working to point others to their one and only hope? Is that what we're doing this year? May our sights be set not on the problems, not on the challenges that we face here on earth. May our focus not be on uh, be consumed with what kind of kingdom we can start building for ourselves in this temporary home we live in right here. Even if that kingdom is about this body and how in shape I can get this thing. Instead, may our eyes be fixed on Christ, our one and only hope. And may we live all out for His glory. And that mission to which he has called us until that great day when he returns. We have the opportunity right now to start this new year off right. Start it off right as we remind each other of what Christ has done for us. As we acknowledge to ourselves and to everyone else and most of all to God our dependence on the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made when he gave himself at the cross. He gave his body and he gave his blood. What we're about to do right now is take communion. And this is for those who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ and only for those who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ. Because if you are not a believer and you take this, it's basically making this whole thing just a sham and a mockery and just like oh yeah god none of this really matters for those of us who have placed our trust in jesus we look at this we look at a little piece of bread and we look at the little vial of juice and we say yeah this doesn't save us but this points to the real body of christ and the real blood of jesus that was offered in our place and we hold these in our hands we do so reverently we do so with, a, 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 on one hand, a sense of remorse and recognition of our rebellion against God. And we go, Lord, this is what it took to forgive me? I, I couldn't just throw up a couple of Hail Marys 
This is what it took, your body, your blood that you gave for me? We do so reverently, but we also do joyfully, don't we? And we take this and we go, praise the Lord. The deal is done and it is sealed with nothing else other than the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I am his, he is mine, and I know where I'm going. Amen? I'm going to pray. And then we'll have some instrumental music playing. And then I just encourage you, either, either by yourself as you're sitting there, prayerfully confess your sins, thank God for what he has done for you, and take. If you're next to a family member, you're next to a, a close friend, you can kind of huddle up with them, pray together, and then take when you're ready, and then we'll close together in a song of praise. Father, we love you, and we thank you. You have not abandoned us, though so often it feels like it in this crazy world that we live in. We watch the news, we look at the web, the web pages, and it's so easy to get consumed and be filled with anxiety and worry at the strife, with the consternation, at all of the stuff that our world is plagued with. And yet, Lord, Christ is seated at the right hand of God, and the promises, Lord, that you've given us is that he will not stay there. He's coming back for us. We long for that moment. We look forward to it. Until that day, Lord, may you find us being your people, doing the things that you've called us to do. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this, this moment that we have together as the people of God to take of the bread, which represents your body, and the juice, which represents your blood, and say, yes, Lord. Once again, Lord, yes, this is what I need. I need Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Bless this time, we pray in Christ's name.